verses 10 to 14, but I'm going to actually read the broader context up through verse 19. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 19. And as you're turning there, I just have a couple questions to prepare our hearts to hear the word of the Lord. The first question I have is, where do you find your strength? Where do you find your strength? Now, I'm asking this functionally, not what you ought to say, but what, uh, what, what you, you do, in fact, struggle with. So for some of us, it's perhaps your professional career. That's where you find your, your comfort and your strength. Perhaps it's your knowledge. It could be your image or your identity, who you're, who you're known for. We all struggle with this. Uh, perhaps it's in your wealth, right? Your material possessions. For a long time, I was known for the car that I drove, and I, I had my self-identity in that. Or perhaps it's your hobbies. In connection with this question of where do you find your strength, the follow-up question is, who do you wrestle with? <laughs> so if you have strength. Who do you wrestle with? Is it your coworkers, perhaps? Your customers? I used to be in sales. Wrestle with a lot of customers. Your boss? Perhaps it's your, your neighbors. For those of you who are older, you can definitely relate to this. Your, your children. <laughs> maybe I'm, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm poking a little bit here. Or perhaps it's your wife. The reality is that there is conflict everywhere. And so this is brought to, to bear, especially in the Ephesians study, right? Because the preceding context was relationships, right? We transitioned from relationships to like wrestling, right? Spiritual warfare. So it's like, what's going on here? So I think every one of us has something in your mind that these questions spoke to. If, if, it, if it doesn't, I would, I would encourage you to seek deeper because even as I was preparing this, it, it challenged me. Hear now the word of the Lord. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In every circumstance, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our 
Lord shall stand forever. This is the word of the Lord. Dear Heavenly Fathers, we come together to worship, to fellowship, to hear the preaching of your word, Father. I ask that my words, my opinions would be lost, would be left behind. Father, may you speak through me. May your spirit speak to the heart of each one here. Father God, may we stand firm. May we put on the whole armor of God. May we realize the real battle that's going on behind the scenes. Open our eyes, transform our hearts, and conform us to your image. In Jesus' name, our Lord and Savior, we pray these things. Amen. My goodness. So strong. The title of this morning's sermon is A Gospel-Centered Spiritual Warfare. Gospel-Centered Spiritual Warfare. And the big idea that I have for us this morning is this. We must keep the gospel central in our lives because we wage war against the kingdom of darkness. Let me repeat. We must keep the gospel central in our lives because we wage war against the kingdom of darkness. And I just have four points that support this big idea. Number one, allow the Holy Spirit to strengthen you through faith. Allow the Holy Spirit to strengthen you through faith. Number two, put on God's gospel armor. Number three, know the reason. Know what's going on behind the scenes, that we are fighting against the kingdom of darkness. And number four, moving from thinking from internal to outward, take your stand. Now, as we unpack this passage, I just want to stress, the, verse 10 begins with finally. And so if we're beginning with finally, we're actually at the end, right? If we're beginning with finally. And so as I work through the text, there's a lot of things that Paul this is not an unpacking of, a, of, of new content per se, but really bringing together multiple themes that are throughout the book of Ephesians. And the benefit for all of us is that you've been working through Ephesians, so you should be very familiar with Ephesians. So as we work through here, some of the, 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 the things that I'm going to be sharing with you are really the climax to, to themes throughout the letter to the Ephesians. And so we're going to be making a lot of connections here and I really want us to see how central the gospel is in our spiritual warfare. So point number one, point number one, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Allow the Holy Spirit to strengthen you through faith. And you're like, so Tim, I don't really see that necessarily in this passage. Where are you getting that? So let's just kind of break this down and work through verse number 10. The first thing that we see is that it's a command. There's a command to be strong. But the command is, for those who are English grammarians out there, the, the, do we have any? No, okay, all right. So I'll just give you the big idea there. Uh, 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 the command is in the, passive is in the passive tense, or in the passive voice, I should say. And that is to say that the, 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 it's something being done to us from the outside. We are not the ones actually doing the action. We are the ones re um, receiving the action. And so, the, so fundamentally, when, we, when we, we, we look at this command to be strong, it is a command for us 
and yet it's being done to us. And so we are not strengthening ourselves in the, in the sense of, does anyone like to work out here? I know there's one. Yeah, if some of you like to work out, right? Uh, you, you do endurance running. You do, anyone does CrossFit? No, good. I don't like CrossFit either. Um, but I like, I like strength training. I think Doug likes to strength train a little bit, teeny bit. But in, in strength training, right, you are strengthening yourself by doing external activity to strengthen your muscles. And so what I want to be very clear on is that is not what Paul has in mind here. The second point that we need to understand is that there is a sphere, the sphere or the realm in which this is taking place. And this really gives us a segue or uh, unpacks for us what Paul is referring to. It is the sphere of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be strong in the Lord. So this is where strength is a massive theme throughout Ephesians. It's, it's a ginormous theme. I'm going to bring us back to the, the fundamental passage in Ephesians for strength and power. If you'd like, turn to your Bibles to Ephesians 1, 19 to 22. Ephesians 1, 19 to 22. It might be on the screen, I think. Yes, it is. Great. So I'm just going to read that. I'm actually going to begin. Yeah, I'll begin verse 19. And so it's in the middle of a sentence, so I apologize. We don't have time to look at the full sentence. It's incredible. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? So there is this incredible power, and the goal of that, the object of the power is toward us believers. In accordance with the working of his great might that he worked in Christ, when he did what? Raised him from the dead. Right? It's resurrection power. We sing about that in some of our worship songs. But it's more than simply raising him back from the dead. Right? People, in the history of the church, in the, in the history of, of Scripture, right? people have been raised from the dead. This is the, the new resurrection the, the incorruptible. So this resurrection is similar and dissimilar, and it's next level. But it's more than just being raised from the dead. This power that is at work, that is, the object is us believers. Not only raises him from the dead, but seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above every rule and authority and power and dominion. Dominion is kingdom. And above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And you're like, okay, what are all these things? Whatever it is, it's all comprehensive. All powers, all authorities, both in this current age and the age to come, Christ is above all of that. My goodness. Thank you for the amens. And so, so he's raised him. He's, he's exalted him. And he has put all things under his feet. So it's not as if, okay, Jesus is just some authority. There's all these other authorities and he's at war with them, right? No, all those other authorities are now placed under the feet of Jesus. He's put all things under his feet and gave him. 
God gave Christ as head over all things to the church, which is his body. So, so do you see how now Christ being raised, Christ being exalted, Christ being above all things, everything being placed under Christ, we come into the picture, right? We are his body. We are there above the rest. Be strong in the Lord. Kind of, kind of makes our own effort a little bit inconsequential. Kind of is offensive in many ways, right? We're trying to strengthen ourselves. And there is this power working in us, beyond us, in Christ. My goodness. And there's an implicit reference in, in chapter 6, verse 10, when it says to be strengthened in the Lord, to Christ being God, right? Because the strength throughout, throughout Ephesians, it's like God's strength, God's strength. Okay, yeah, we, we, we're, we're there with God the Father being all powerful, all strong. And then just like, Paul just like slips it. It's just like a transition into Christ. Because what's behind the scenes is Christ is God. So as we think about this, being strengthened. It's being strengthened in the power that is, that is focused upon us in Christ. And so then you're like, okay, Tim, that's great. That's great theology. How does this play out in my daily life? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> the third point within this command is the The being strengthened in his might, the strength of his might. And we actually get a peek into that in, in the prayer that Paul prays in Ephesians 3, 16 to 19. So jump ahead to Ephesians 3, 16 to 19 if you're following along in your Bibles. That according to the riches of his glory, this is a prayer that Paul is praying for the saints. According to the riches of his glory, that he may grant you... He may give to you to be <laughs> strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So when Paul commands, finally, brothers, be, be strengthened in the Lord, in the power of his might, in the strength of his might, that's, that's an, an, an echo uh, um, a footnote pointing back to 316 to 19. That you might be strengthened. That passive can't, comes, is, is there. You might be strengthened with power. Whose power? God's power. Through the Spirit in your inner being through faith. How do you strengthen yourself? By your faith in the gospel. And this is only being done through the Spirit. So this is 100% outside of your ability, right? We're fickle. I mean, our faith's strong one day, it's weak the next. Anyone who's honest. If a pastor says, I've never wrestled with, with my faith, we're all there. When the trials of life come, so glad that it's the 
through the Holy Spirit. So we have this Trinitarian emphasis. We are strengthened as we put our faith daily in the gospel. Hear now the proclamation of the gospel. If ever you were struggling to remember, and not by chance, Paul also describes the gospel in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 and following. The gospel is the good news that at one time you were Gentiles, separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. But now in Christ, Jesus, you who, you who were once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. Christ lived the perfect life we could not live. He died on the cross for our sins. He paid the penalty that, that we could not pay. That sacrifice was accepted by God. He was vindicated when he was raised from the dead and exalted. God's final judgment has been brought into the present in union with Christ. We are declared righteous. Christ is the head, we are his body. Christ is the husband, we are the bride. Where was that in Ephesians? Where Christ is, we are. He's in the heavenly places. We're seated with him. What Christ receives, we receive. Christ received all things. We have an immeasurable inheritance, right? Ephesians 2. This is the gospel. And when you're struggling in life, in the daily grind, right? When your image fails you, when your intellect falls short, when you're at war with whoever, when you can't stand up for yourself, the gospel gives us a right orientation. So number one, be strengthened. Allow the Holy Spirit to strengthen you through faith. Number two, put on God's armor. Put on God's gospel armor. Put on the whole armor of God. It's, an, it's a command. There's another command here. This is not passive, so this is something that we could do. But it's going to kind of come around to the same type of thing. You, you can, if you're seeing the, the main points here. This object is not one piece of equipment. Paul says to put on the whole armor of God. So this is not a half-hearted, toss-to-and-fro type putting on. Like, uh, you know what? I'm really strong. I need a helmet to protect me from a mortal wound, but I'm just, you know, I, I like to be light. I won't put on the breastplate. Or I'll take the sword. I'm maneuverable. I don't need the, the shield of faith, right? It's putting on the whole armor of God. This armor of God, then the imagery is that of this warfare imagery, and it's not physical, right? It's the armor of God. It's spiritual, but it's just as real. I want to be clear on that. 
what is this armor of God? Next week, I believe that they'll be really unpacking it. I'm not going to steal the, the next pastor's thunder. I just want us to point to the, to, the, to the big truth here that's going on. And I've kind of put it up on a, uh, I hope you can see that. I've, I've looked at these different images and I've kind of word searched the, the key phrase there. And it's really interesting what comes out. What is this overall picture? Why does Paul choose these things? You have the belt of truth, Ephesians 1.13, the word of truth, which is the gospel of your salvation. So the, the belt of truth could be equated with the word of truth, and it's the gospel, right? The breastplate, the breastplate of righteousness, Ephesians 4.24, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Is this your righteousness? 100% not, right? This is Christ's righteousness, the imputed righteousness which we just proclaimed in the gospel. The shoes of the readiness of the gospel. The gospel prepares us to move. The shield of faith. The shield of faith, Ephesians 3.17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. The helmet of salvation, that, I mean, that comes right back to Ephesians 1.13, the, the gospel of your salvation. The sword of the Spirit, is, which is the word of God. We will, I, I'm kind of, that's a, I'm, I'm saving that for point number three. But what can we say here? Tim, are you just reducing everything down and just, you have this gospel interpretation where it's just, you know, overemphasizing? No, what I think is going on here is that Paul is using the imagery of spiritual warfare and he wants you to go in wholeheartedly and the gospel is not just one-dimensional. It's multi-dimensional. It has multiple aspects. The gospel and all its benefits is everything we have. And so Paul can say in Galatians 3.27, Put on Christ. <laughs> well, which is it, Tim? Are you putting on the armor of God or are you putting on Christ? Or are you putting on the gospel? These are all different ways of saying the same thing. That, God, that Paul, once he, once he had that, that Emmaus revelation and then he was brought into Arabah and had, no doubt, a lot of revelations from Christ, his whole perspective on Scripture, on the history of redemption, was changed. It was filtered through the perspective of Christ and the gospel. And as we live our daily life, do you have a gospel-centered view? My goodness. I, for once, in the past, you know, it's like the gospel that's for evangelism. You know, pull it out of my toolbox to evangelize. I'm already saved, so I'm good to go. And you kind of leave the gospel in this one compartment. Now, I want to be clear. I'm not saying that you're, you're, you're being re-saved every time. What I am saying is that the gospel has saved us 
and it is sanctifying us, and it's our hope that's bringing us to completion. So that Paul can say in 1 Corinthians 15, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel which I preached to you and which you received, past tense, in which you are standing, present tense, by which you are being saved, present tense, if you hold fast to the word which I preached to you. Well, the word the, you know, that's the word of God, the sword of the Spirit. Also the gospel in its fundamental form. Romans 1, 16 to 17, the righteous shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by trusting in the gospel daily. It's a living faith, a growing faith. It's not a perfect faith. But if we're going to fight the greatest nemeses of all time, right? The devil. It would only make sense that the armor would come from without, right? Not from our, our effort, our effort to fix things. I'm a, I'm a type A personality. My, my wife comes with a problem and I want to fix it, right? Anyone strong enough, or I shouldn't say, humble enough to raise your hand. I've, I've come to that realization and I'm repenting every day. Are you type A? Who's type A out here? Come on. Fixing, fixing things. I'm going to fix you. No. The gospel. What is the purpose? Why must we put on God's gospel armor? So that we can stand against the schemes of the devil. <laughs> Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. We are attaining the unity of the, of, the, of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, not being tossed to and fro, being carried, by wa- being carried by waves of every wind of doctrine, of human cunning, of craftiness in deceitful schemes. The schemes of the devil. This is the work of Satan. And the solution to stand against it is not in our strength. It's not in our human effort. It's not in our knowledge. It's not in our ability. It's not in our scheming. It's in the gospel. Is, it, is everyone trying? I mean, like, I, I am being belaboring the point. If we're going to make it in spiritual warfare, when we wake up in the morning, Do you preach the gospel to yourself? I am not mine own. My identity is not in how I look. My identity is not in the car I drive. My identity isn't in the the perfect children that I have. My identity is in Christ. Know the reason, number three, know the reason we are fighting against the kingdom of darkness. Paul provides the reason of explanation for us. And this is where the, 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 the gospel brings everything into clarity, right? So when you're struggling, when things are, or it just seems like everyone's against you. Probably because there's something going on behind the scenes. And we're fools not to recognize that. And we've all been there and done that and got the t-shirt right? I've been there. 
Even after I've, I've taught on this, I've taught, I've preached at least two or three times on this passage. I've taught at least three or four times on this. And I'll still find myself so frustrated at some person or something. Now, I'm not saying that there's a devil behind every single thing. But ultimately, our, the opposition to us as Christians, to the church, as a body of believers, perhaps you guys as Trinity are wrestling with some opposition. Some great confession of faith says that we, we war, the, the, what's warring against the, the church is the flesh, the world, and Satan. It could be one of those three things. But behind the flesh, behind the world, really, most fundamentally, it's Satan. Right? My goodness. So what are we wrestling against? And so Paul gives us a list. It's, it's almost the same list as Ephesians 1.19. Well, Tim, why are there differences? That's not the point. The point is that there's a, whole, a lengthy list to emphasize your, your whole opposition, the whole opposition. Nations, authorities, so those are physical entities, cosmic powers, present darkness, spiritual forces in the heavenly places. This is the kingdom of darkness. Ephesians 2, 1 to 2, bringing it together, bringing it together. You once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is at work in the sons of disobedience. And so this is why if we have a gospel perspective, it's easier to deal with fallen individuals because you were one of them at one time. You were being led by Satan. You were obstinate at one time. Maybe you still are. Maybe we still are, right? Maybe we still are obstinate. But when we look at other people, do we have a heart of compassion? Because you're like, I was there. That was me. I was, I was blind, following the prince of the power of the air. He was working in and through me. I was a son of disobedience. Later, Paul says, children of wrath. That was me. And then this comes back to spiritual warfare here, right? We have to know the reason. And of course, in Ephesians 3, 10 to 7, this is why Paul's perspective was so focused. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of, of grace, which was given to me, here, here it goes, by the working of his power. To him, though I am the very least of all the saints, the grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, to preach the gospel, to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things. Here we go. Why do we need to know? So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. The incredible thing is that as we engage in this spiritual warfare, it's just not daily warfare. I mean, functionally it is. But the big picture is that through the church, through us, the body of Christ, God's wisdom is being revealed not just to those around us, 
in the spiritual realm. You have no clue what you're wrestling with, how that's being impacted, right? We have the example of Job. There's a whole cosmic battle going on behind the scenes, and Job didn't see it. We can't see it. I'd highlight that in your Bible. I'd put that on the wall. Through the church, God's incredible wisdom might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. You're part of Christ's body. We would expect that, right? He's, everything's under Christ's feet, right? We're, we're the body and the lowest part is the feet, right? So we should expect spiritual opposition. My goodness. And we lose sight of that. I lose sight of that. We fall into despair. Woe is me. Why is God doing this to me? I'm just trying to serve God and I'm getting beat up by everybody, right? Through our struggle, God's wisdom is being made known, not just to those around us, not just to the Gentiles, not just to the nations, but spiritual forces in heavenly places. I think all of us are going to be so ashamed when we meet in glory on that last day and we realize, man, we were in this spiritual warfare and I didn't see it. Couldn't see it. Our, eye, our eyes were veiled. Know the reason. We are fighting against the kingdom of darkness. And then number four, take your stand. Let's stand together. This is the necessary inference to this incredible, you know, be strengthened in Christ, put on God's armor, know you're in a spiritual battle. What's the next step? Stand, fight, right? And this stand, like, what is, what is this image of standing? This is like the military stand, right? Um, there are some incredible military movies out there. I will not mention any names of movies for, for sake of, of whoever. <laughs> but you know this, the great Roman movies, you know, the great Greek movies in the past 20 years, I won't mention them. Like they're, 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 they're dressed out and they're like, they're ready to go, right? I mean, it's like a, it's a, I have an injury here, so I can't really personify it well. But I mean, they're ready to go, right? They are ready to fight. And we're kind of like, you know, I won't even imitate it, but we're not ready, right? We don't stand. That's the type of standing that is being referred to. If you play sports and basketball, right? If you're playing basketball, you're supposed to be down. Like this is the defensive position, right? Anyone who's up like this, you're done. You've already lost. They're already going around. They're crossing you over. They're already going around. They're scoring the layup, right? You have to be down in that defensive stance with your hands out. So whichever way they go, you can, you can whack that, that ball, right? Baseball position. You're not standing, right? The people that are standing up like this in the outfield or infield, you're done, right? You're, that ball is going through your, your glove every time. But how often do we wake up and our, and our position is like a defeatist position or totally lackadaisical? Social media, right? Totally not defend. We're not even thinking guard up in social media, right? Movies, it's time to relax. My goodness. We all fall short. I'm speaking to myself. We, we all have those moments. But it's this 
taking our stand, and it's mental, not physical. So in conclusion, in conclusion, gospel-centered spiritual warfare, what does it look like? We must keep the gospel central in our lives because we wage war against the kingdom of darkness. Number one, allow the Holy Spirit to strengthen you through faith daily. Put on God's gospel armor. I would write stuff down, very practical. Write it down. Write different aspects, benefits of the gospel. You know, you have all these notes. I'm using Evernote. I'm in the, anyone using notes apps? I put everything in Evernote now. Put some of this stuff down when you're like, something terrible happens and you're ready to respond poorly. All right, let's breathe, open up Evernote, read some gospel truths, reorient our perspective. Know the reason we are fighting against the kingdom of darkness. And number four, take your stand. Just in conclusion, I just have some questions and some recommendations. Number one, all of us fall short. My desire here is not to beat anybody up. My, my desire in this sermon is to, is to help us to see what's going on. And the gospel fundamentally is rest, right? Jesus says, come to me, you who are weary and laden. Find your rest in me. So I hope the first response to this sermon is, you know what? I don't have to do it myself. I can go rest in the gospel today. Find your rest in the gospel. Cling to the gospel. Find your encouragement in the gospel. And once you catch your breath, you're like, okay, Tim, I can do this. Then strive to stand, not on your own intellect, not on your own image, not on the, 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 sands, the sands of the sea, the waves of the ocean. Stand on the gospel. And then number, the, the third question in common is, are you resisting the kingdom of darkness? Don't try to do everything. Pick one thing this week. There's one thing I've just, I haven't been resisting. What is that? You know what it is. Amazon. I can put, I'm poking because I struggle with that, right? Online, online shopping, online window browsing. You're not even buying, you're just wasting your time coveting. It's true. All of us have done it. We're dreaming. And I'm not saying it's necessarily wrong to research. I'm, there's a fine line between research and healthy purchasing and idolatry, okay? But what is that one, pick one thing that you struggle Maybe it's social media. Instagram. I'm not, these are not bad things. I, I just started an Instagram account, okay? They're not bad things. It's how we use them. And it's how we do not allow the gospel to impact our behavior. Maybe it's your children. Maybe you just lose your anger with your young children. I'm living that dream right now, brothers and sisters. Living that dream. Maybe you're going to focus on being gentle to your children. Maybe you have adult children and you're a micromanager. And, you, and you want, you ha, you're like, I know the will of God for your life. 
Maybe you need to take a step back and, and trust your children to Christ. My goodness. Maybe it's your work. Maybe you've been living one life in church and home, and your ethics is like, this guy is a Christian? Maybe you're wrestling with ethical decisions. Been there, done that. It is not easy. Maybe you need to wrestle, and maybe you need to focus on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be ethically pure at work. I'm going to be a light in a dark place. I don't see a lot of, of teens in, in college here, but maybe you're wrestling with your identity, your, you know, being accepted in academia, right, with, where secularism, naturalism, just absolutely, you need to get that card to be accepted. And maybe you haven't stood firm in your faith. Or maybe you're allowing social media to dictate your behavior. And it's crushing you. There's shame. There's fear. Maybe that's something you can focus on. So rest. Catch your breath. Preach the gospel to yourselves. And pick one thing. Let's, let's move towards putting on the whole armor of God and taking our stand. Dear Heavenly Father, you know everyone's heart here. You know that we all fall short of your glory. Father God, may each one of us here seek to live a gospel-centered life, especially in spiritual warfare. May we each take one step this week to trusting in the gospel, to putting on your gospel armor, and to taking our stand in one area, Father. I pray for each one here, and I pray that Trinity Church would be a strong light in, in the community of Fairfield and that their, their best days are before them, and that they'd be united around the gospel, and they'd grow and, and reach the maturity of the fullness of the stature of Christ. In Jesus' name, our Lord and Savior, we pray all these things. Amen.